Hello, and welcome back to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm George Stahl, joined by Scott Reel and Anna Bryant. And we've been away for a little bit, but we're back. And just honored that so many of you listeners are, are joining us today. Um, and today uh, we want to talk about the thing that uh, is on all of our minds. Every one of us desires hope health and a happy life, but many of us don't know how to begin to find that. Um, This is the purpose of Journey to Freedom, to help guide us on the journey of discovery to areas of our lives that need change, healing, and growth. And so today's episode is about how a Journey to Freedom group can help us get started on the path of hope and change. At the beginning of the Journey to Freedom book, uh, Gerald May is quoted in there. He's a psychiatrist and a spiritual counselor. And he asked this question. He says, how much can we respect ourselves if we haven't ever paused for a moment to, for, to reflect more deeply on what we really want or need for a better life? So that is exactly what Journey to Freedom helps us do is reflect on that and then to discover and give voice to what we need and what we want. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to walk through the beginning steps of that, of how you guys in the process of your groups help people answer that question. So, Scott, let's turn it to you. Uh, Where does it all start? Well, you know, um, I remember um, when I had the opportunity to write this book, and uh, I didn't know what uh, the subject would be, the subject matter, the content. And I was wrestling with, with lots of different things. And that was um, back when um, in the National YMCA we were trying to deal with um, membership retention and just why millions of people would sign up in, in January with New Year's resolutions and then we lose half of them by the summer. And that's when I came across through the Y, Dr. James Prochaska's work on Changing for Good and Dr. Prochaska's discovery of the specific stages of change, pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, and maintenance. And um, and all of a sudden, I, I realized that and at that time, um, all that we were offering at through the wine, through churches around Middle Tennessee and Restore were 12-step groups. Well, 99% of the people walking around Nashville did not think that the 12 steps were for them. You know, it was for those people. And that's when the vision came, I really believe God inspired, uh, for me to write a book that would be a big net. And this is really the premise of the book, that anyone would benefit from taking an intensive, intimate self-examination of their life with God, looking at everything that's going on, how you got to where you are, deep into your story, because um, that's where change begins. It begins with the awareness of this is where I am, and more importantly, what do I need to do to change and where do I want to go? And so that's, um, who would not benefit from that? Exactly. Yeah, it's like um, we all want change, and we all often are in our heads about what we hope might change, but what these groups do and what this book helps you do is be more intentional about it. Like there is showing up to uh, have this examination. And yeah, we all, we all need those places of intentionality in our life where we can actually begin to move toward change. So uh, day one, what, what is the, uh, what day, day one, where, like where, where do people start when they begin? Anna? 
So uh, one of the key um, concepts that we uh, cover in the first day is just um, really beginning to, when we can figure out what needs to, to change, we can really begin to focus on what um, what the solution is. Like when we continue to focus on the problem, that's when change does not occur. But when we can begin to slowly shift our focus from what the problem is to what the solution might be, that's when we really begin to get some traction. So that's kind of like our initial first, like first baby step is like focusing on, okay, understanding, identifying what it is. That's kind of like our, our hang up and like what could potential, um, what could it look like, um, if our life was beyond that hang up, like what would, what would our vision be if it wasn't where we are right now? And, and focusing on the solution automatically stirs up hope in our heart because yeah, we all know the problem or, or it's quickly identified when you start this process. Um, but you guys heard of asset framing, like in psychology and education now, it's like something happens when we begin to focus on the solution or the potential. And so I know at the very beginning, it is inviting people to believe in the possibility that they can change. Like that is a great motivator. Um, Scott, so I mean, how, how do we help people believe in that possibility? Well, it's interesting. Uh, it, it all begins with vision. Um, even change begins with vision, um, which is what focusing on a solution uh, achieves for you. And, and it's forward thinking. Uh, in the book, uh, I remember, I think I've probably talked about this before, but um, I had read about Michelangelo when he was carving the angel that was in the stone. And, and when I read that, he said, I carved until I set him free. And, I, and that's what I open in day one with is that, um, that, you know, he first must see what the angel looks like. I mean, he's got a slab of, of granite there, I think. And you know, you just don't start carving away. You have to see what it is. You have to have a vision. And it's the same in our lives. It begins with stopping and looking at, do we have a vision of what we would be like when the angel in us is set free? Um, and that is hopeful. Yeah. And then we, and then also in the, in that first week, in that first day, actually, we talk about hope. Um, because how we define hope is going to have such an immense uh, impact on our on our lives and our well-being. Um, when we have a defined hope that is tied to a predetermined outcome or circumstances, it's very difficult because we cannot control circumstances. But when our hope, as Henry now says, is open-ended, it's in, not in circumstances, but it's in the promises of God. Um, we begin to see how important it is and how well I define hope because. If my hope is tied to a predetermined outcome and it does not occur, that's going to lead me to despair. But with God, there's always hope. There's always something that can be transformed and made new. Um, and that, uh, so that's where we, we begin. So I'm, I'm seeing, I'm looking at my life. What would I be different about me if God carved and set me free? And we begin that journey. Um, that initiates hope, which I really believe. <clears throat> when I was I came across some Greek words over the last several years that meant a lot to me, and one was motus, and motus um, was um, in Aquinas's 
that he wrote like a thousand years ago, his, his arguments for the validity of God, well, his first argument was the argument of motus, which is motion. And what he, what he says is nothing moves itself. There must be an initial mover. And, um, and he says that mover is, is God. And it just really struck me that you could also substitute in there God is hope. I mean, that is a paradigm. If, if, if you really, when you think of God, you think of Jesus, you think of hope. Um, because that's what they stand for, the possibility of change. And so motus was the beginning, they said, of any kind of change from potentiality to actuality. And so I really believe that's what begins the journey. And as you know, if you ever write a book, if you don't capture your audience in the first week, you know, or, just, or actually first few pages, most people are like, eh, never mind. You know, so I really wanted to create something that was hopeful. And so we, we're, we're looking at ourselves and we're looking at the possibility of change. And we, we're focusing on the solution. We're seeing um, and believing that this is possible with God. All things are possible. And that fills me with hope. Uh, and that is what kind of ignites the journey. So, so that initial movement, that motion, I believe comes from hope, it comes from the hope of Christ. And um, it's there for all of us. So it's just not looking at your life for all the stuff that's gone wrong and all, the, all my flaws and my weaknesses. It's more, I believe, of looking at where am I going? Who am I becoming? How am I going to get there? How am I going to become that man? And the belief that with God's help, that's possible. That's 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 a lot in that first first. It's wonderful. And you uh, speaking of open-ended hope, Anna. Maybe I could pass this to you on this because um, that really is a key. Um, concentrating on making life better, but not perfect. And so there are some things that can be changed and uh, rearranged. You know, things that we have the power and control with the grace of God and the help of others can begin to move toward, but there's sometimes things that can't. And so open-ended hope can even, in the imperfection, find, you know, uh, that being a wind to our back that helps us continue to move through the things we're facing. So can you talk a little about that? Um, just the, once we do that self-examination and we're working on things, but life isn't absolutely perfect, what does open-ended hope mean in those moments? Yeah, that's, um, it's, crucial for us to, I think, continue our forward motion. Um, we have to have that open-ended hope. Um, if we don't, then we get too, uh, too bogged down by looking for a particular solution, which doesn't always happen. And uh, like Scott's, Scott said, so much of our circumstances are completely out of our control. Um, I know, like, for example, there is a lot of things in my life right now that are completely out of my control. Um, and my ability to hope is not one of those. So, uh, like for example, my oldest daughter is, uh, struggling with some pretty profound health conditions right now. And we are doing our part to try to get to the bottom of what those are and find diagnoses. But in the meantime, there's like literally nothing I can do to control that. But if I engage my hope that, um, the one who takes care of us, the God who provides, is going to provide for her and for us. And that um, it may look like a particular diagnosis. It may look like a complete and total healing. It may look like something completely different. But 
what I have to focus on is that the God who sees us and cares for us has a solution and is caring us and will provide what we need when we need it. Um, there's literally nothing I can do to control that, but that doesn't alter the fact that I can still have hope in the one who has proven himself faithful to me time and time again in my life. And that is one of the most beautiful things that happens in your group experience. Um, Scott, have have you ever encountered, have you ever participated in a group where hope didn't rise as a result of, you know, human beings being in the in the room, inviting that kind of grace and healing? Have you ever experienced that where hope didn't just begin to fill the room? Never, never. It's it's there. You know, two or three are gathered in his name. Christ yeah. is there. And um, I think that's the why we've always referred to our small groups as a healing community, um, because that's the community aspect of a small group is so hopeful. Um, and we talked about that dynamic before in group. What makes a small group um, have that kind of power that you don't get with one-on-one? And I think what it is, it is <clears throat> the human element of of uh, the empathy, the compassion that you receive from others. Um, plus, um, again, jump ahead a little bit, but um, when I'm left on my own and I'm isolated, as, as we now know about the human brain, it just doesn't work in isolation. Our brains only work when they're truly intimately connected to others. And you get that in a small group. Uh, and it's, the group becomes a secure attachment and just really becomes a divine mirror that mirrors back to the, to the participant, the person who's sharing um, what they cannot see or even understand or even hear about their, themselves and their isolation. And that is my favorite aspect of a small group. Um, you know, um, for me, walking outdoors is the most therapeutic thing that on earth. I mean, if I'm feeling anxious and sad and overwhelmed, if I'm feeling any kind of funky way, I go for a walk. I get outdoors and I walk. Uh, and, and never, ever has it not failed to make me feel better. And I would say the same thing about a small group. Um, I can be having a bad day and bad week, bad month, bad life. And um, if I get to a group no matter how bad I feel, I always leave feeling better. Yeah, it's it's so uh, strange how, because I've been a part of these groups also, but it's like how much works against you getting there. And even, you know, uh, an hour before, it's like, well, I, you know, there's more work that I have to do or whatever. And you're kind of, there's this part of you that it's even a struggle to get there. But without a question, once you get there, that, there really is something magical and beautiful and divine that happens when people gather in the room and are vulnerable. It's like the opening of our heart space, you know, whether it's in the smallest way or in the biggest way, like is a portal to, to love and grace filling a room. Again, it goes back to what Kurt Thompson says, anatomy. So there is no greater need for all human beings than the experience of being fully known. Hmm. Yeah. And we've heard that echoed time and again in group where people say like, oh, I really didn't want to come tonight or I just, it was so hard getting here, but then I knew that meant I really had to be here and I'm so glad that I came. Um, I have never once 
heard anybody say like, oh, I came and I, I wish I would have stayed and did something else instead. Everybody is always like, it was such a struggle to get here. So many things were against me, whether it was traffic, work deadlines, like just like emotions all over the place. But um, when people have experienced that, it's it's like such a driver to get them back here because you know when you come, you're going to get filled up and you're going to be encouraged and you're going to walk away with a newfound sense of hope and strength for the days ahead. It's almost, uh, sometimes you feel silly talking about it because you can't even articulate. It's true. You know, what you feel and experience in those groups. So I know we all kind of feel inadequate in how to even name it and give adjectives to it, but you know it when you experience it, that something very meaningful happens. We have intentional structure to our groups to create an environment where um, you feel very affirmed in your, in your human condition. Because that's what I think happens to us. Um, life is so hard, and I think the hardest part of life is the narrative that grows in our minds you know, through the days and, and in our isolation. It, it just becomes an, an inner belief. And then when I come to group and I hear my name said, Thank you, Scott. <coughs> Glad you're here, Scott. You know, thank you for sharing, Scott. Uh, you know, that seems like a small thing, but that's after I've shared my, my story for the day and what I've been going through, and I hear that type of affirmation. Um, it, it gives me life. Because what it is is love. It's... it's, it's so, and again, what we've talked about before, that if you really know me, everything, the truth, and you choose to love me, that's, that's the unconditional love that transforms a life. Any love that has a condition tied to it uh, is... It's not love. It's not love. It's not love. Those who choose to love us, um, despite our weaknesses, despite our flaws, um, those are the... Those are the special relationships, and, and I think that's what happens in small groups. Um, you know, we get the message, we are for you, we believe in you, and um, I've told this story before, but I think it's a good time to tell it again, but it was the defining moment for me, probably 25 years ago. I just started my first 12-step group, um, and I had struggled with an addiction for quite a while, and... Um, there were these two older ladies in the group. I should be careful saying they're older. Um, <laughs> but, but they were older than me. They were older back then. They were older <laughs> back then than me. They're back much then. younger now. <laughs> <laughs> they're listening. I apologize. Yeah. But um, they were much further along in their spiritual journey than I was. Um, they were kind of, as I would describe, Jesus in the flesh to me. And I really admired them and believed in them. And I was sharing about how um, I had relapsed and struggled with relapse. And, um, um, and I was sharing that through the group. And it was a really vulnerable moment for me. And, um, and they told me, uh, they said, Scott, we want you to know that we believe in you, we are for you, and we will never, ever abandon you. And you can can trust that and that changed my life that that one moment because what I heard from them 
I heard Jesus saying that to me, and um, and I believed it, and uh, that's when I really began my recovery, and that's when I began this journey, and 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 ever since then I have tried to be that, or we've tried to create that in our group, that environment where people experience that empathy and that compassion and that grace that no matter what they've done, no matter where they've been, no matter what they struggle with. Um, you know, um, I'm not the smartest person on the planet. Um, I'm, I don't know how I got here except on the, on the wings of some pretty amazing people and God's help. But I know that there's not been one human being I've ever met in a group in this journey that I have not loved with that same belief, that they're going to know that Scott is for them, believes in them, and will never, ever abandon them. And I feel like if I do that well, and that's at the heart of our ministry, that's the heart of Journey to Freedom, um, that's why I think thousands of lives around the world are... That's where the unexplainable thing happens. It is. In the showing up in that. And... I guess it's also separating our people aren't problems. We we have problems and challenges and difficulties, but to be addressed and approached in that way that separates the struggle of your life from the beauty of the human being that you are, yeah, that's that's where the power to overcome any kind of difficulty happens. We you know, we all need that. That is asset framing. Like it is starting with people's potential and the goodness and the, their inherent worth and not at the place of, of brokenness. And what a gift that is. And, and I'm hearing you guys say that's where the wind of hope blows into a room, into our hearts, into our lives. And, yeah, what a gift to have uh, someone say that to us. And, and that's a lot of what you guys do in, in groups. So if you're listening and you need that, our prayer is that you can find that. Um, if not a restore somewhere else, but Anna, um, I know, uh, you began to talk about how real change occurs in, uh, some different areas of our, our life. Um, can we, can we pick up on that? Yeah. Um, this would be a great time. If you haven't listened to all our podcasts, go back and, um, refer to the integrated, uh, total integration podcast, because this will expand on this a little more, but, um, it's really important that we learn to integrate our mind, our body, and our spirit. And that is something that we wholeheartedly believe in. And so we address all of those things. And I did want to just um, preface that while we are a faith-based ministry, we um, welcome and encourage people of all faiths, orientations, walks of life, perspectives to come be a part. We are not here to change your mind about what you believe. We are here to um, provide unconditional love and acceptance to you, whoever you are, wherever you are. So I just want to preface that if you have stumbled across our podcast and you like what you hear, but you're like, hey, uh, Christianity isn't really my thing, um, please know that you are welcome here. We are not going to um, proselytize or press our belief system on you. We are just going to love you for who you are, where you are, because we are all created mind, body, and spirit, and we want a total integration of all of those things in everyone's life regardless of where you're at, what you believe, where you've been, where you're going. We just want to love you along the way. 
Yeah, Scott, um, you really, the, the book begins with the question, um, you know, what is it that you want to change or what, what part of your life uh, are you uh, aware of that needs that change? And you did, the, the mind, body, and spirit was really important. So there is emotional well-being, there is, you know, spiritual well-being, there is physical well-being that throughout this book we're being invited to. So how did you come to incorporating all three of those? Well, back then, you know, I was in the YMCA, and that was our was our motto, change lives of spirit, mind, and body. But it really made sense to me that God did create us physically, spiritually, and mentally. And to be whole, you have to address all three. Um, but, and I did want to say something about the, the first week of the book. Because um, remember, I said that um, I had studied Prochaska's model of change, and Prochaska had said that, the largest stage is the second stage, which is contemplation, which he, he predicts could be as close as 85% of the population, which is a, people who are aware that they have areas of their life that needs to change, but they're not committed to taking action. And, um, and I, at that time, that's just how you know when God is inspiring you to write something. Um, I read the story of the Bethesda pool in the Bible, and um, I go, oh, my goodness. Jesus is dealing with the question of contemplation for all of us right here. Um, and you knew the story that, that there was an invalid laying on a mat. They said he'd been there for 38 years. And um, Jesus comes walking by him one day, and he's right by the Bethesda pool. And supposedly the story was, first thing in the morning, angels got in the water and stirred it. And if you could get in the water at that time, um, it could heal you. Well, Jesus comes walking by, and this, and this man lay on the mat. And they said he'd been there 38 years. So we know his condition is permanent. He's come as far as he can in his own power. And he has this exchange with Christ. And he explains to Jesus, I can't get off the mat. And everybody gets in the pool ahead of me. And so I'm stuck. And, um, and Jesus asked him that question, that great question, which we, we address. And we actually asked that question in the first week of the book. Jesus asked the man, do you want me to make you well? Do you want to be well? Do you want me to transform your life? Do you know what that would look like? Do you understand what would be involved in that? I mean, there's so much in that question, but he's dealing with the contemplative side of our heart, um, which is what we start Journey to Freedom with. Do you even know what needs to change? Where are you in the willingness to walk that out and the responsibility of that? Um, have you thought about it? Have you examined it? Um, there's a lot to that question um, that we all need to ask ourselves and, and, and ask it from the position as Christ was actually asking us today. Do you want to be well? Do you want to change? Um, what a profound question. Because otherwise we continue to live the insanity that we just keep doing the same thing over and over and we'll stay stuck on our mat and, um, and we won't get any further. And so... That really is a question for the audience even to be thinking about. And that's what we deal with in Journey to Freedom. That's where it all begins. Do you want to be well? Do you really, really want to make change in your life? Right, because change is scary. Change is different from what we know, and we know that we fiercely cling to what we know, even if it's dysfunctional. So it is an important question to contemplate. Um, yes, 
do we want our life to look different than it does right now? Because if so, that is going to require change, and change is scary. It's unknown. Let me ask you guys this, um, because I know one of uh, the areas of real change occurring, it's the energy that we expend against ourselves will weaken our power to change. How do you guys see that? Like, what what is that energy that um, we're expending against ourselves? Is it that we don't believe change is possible, so we don't ever move toward action? Um, you know, what what is it that? How are we? How are people working against themselves? That's working against the the real power of change. I think. One of the huge things is just negative self-talk. I think so many of us just have a constant narrative going on in our mind that is just full of self-condemnation. Um, we are so quick to uh, see where we've fallen short or where our flaws are um, and that we forget to see that we also have, um, yes, we are all flawed. We are all imperfect, but we also all have limitless potential and we sometimes forget to um, focus in on that. Um, and so, yeah, when we're looking at the problem, again, rather than the solution, we don't move any closer to the solution because we're focused on what the shortcomings are rather than where we can grow and what we can actually become. Scott, what's, what do you see as the biggest hindrance? What we believe, what we really, truly believe and that belief goes several directions. First of all, what I really believe about myself. Do I, do I believe um, that I'm worthy of change? Do I believe that it's possible? Do I believe, um, you know, that God is going to help me and support me and love me? Um, so I would say at the center of all that is a shameful belief that somehow I'm beyond help uh, and I'm beyond grace, and um, and I sure don't extend it to myself. That is for sure, um, and that's uh, it's crippling. Um, and I do believe that there is an enemy that uh, wants to thwart our expansion and our full potential, and that's that's how it's done. Um, and um, you know, I can physically feel the difference when I believe that. God is for me. He's never going to abandon me. He's got a plan for me. And that I'm worthy of this and that this is possible. Possibility, which again, to me, is an expansion of hope, um, a positive outcome. Um, I was reading um, Dr. Leaf's material just this week. She said that what they know about the brain is that when the brain is hopeful, all these healing chemicals are released and just the way that our bodies work, you know, it's so healthy. But if we don't believe there's hope, and we're living in despair, and we're living with those negative messages. Um, cortisol's released, and you know, the stress hormones, and it just, it just wrecks havoc on us physically and mentally. And so you see just how important it is um, what you are saying to yourself, what you believe is true for you. Um, and I think that's what Jesus is asking. Do you want to be well? There's so much to that question that needs to be processed. Um, and um, if you process it in an environment that is very hopeful and full of empathy, um, then I start to remember things differently, and I'm going to move forward um, with hope. And I'm physically, I leave the group feeling better. 
So it's, it's, it's a physiological thing too. It's just new neural pathways, but, um, and I guess what is at the center of all that is, is gr why we say grace is the most powerful force in the universe. When I experience grace in life and I can extend it to myself, um, that is the beginning of transformation. Hannah, any final words on how we jump into this kind of change? I would agree, like just thinking about what Scott was saying about how you you know you leave group and you have a, a new mindset and a new set of just hope and um I I like I have lost count of the times like Scott has called me on my way home and be like, Hey, how about that group tonight? That was amazing, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, time after time, because it is like you can't wrap words around the experience that you will get to have if you just come and gather with a group of people who sole aim and purpose is to find healing and growth in their own lives and support the other people in the room who are trying to do the same. Um, it's life changing. So it's not impossible to do that all by yourself, but it's a lot harder. It's a lot harder. <laughs> yes. And, and you will miss out on just some of the sweetest, most profound connections that you could ever possibly hope to imagine. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. That is such a beautiful invitation to anyone listening that uh, really has been contemplating something and wants to begin to move toward action and just know that uh, no one has to carry that alone and that there really is the possibility of change, and it could happen even more quickly um, when we do. We, we gather with other people who are going to remind us of our potential and our strengths, not see us as a problem, not try to fix us, but be with us in it. And somehow there is a grace and a wind that we find um, guiding us. So thank you for listening today, Scott and Anna. Thank you for sharing and uh, it's good to be back huh you guys came locked and loaded and uh they're smiling at the end of this podcast and which is always an indication to me of love so they are just full of love and uh we if if you would visit us online at restoresmallgroups.org you can learn more about the online and uh, in-person groups that are going to be happening this fall so if you would like to participate uh please Go to the website, um, reach out to us, but uh, may no one uh, that's hearing these beautiful voices and the invitation of Jesus into a more healthy, whole kind of experience of being human, um, may you not have to do it alone. So uh, if it's not restored, we pray that you will find what it is that you need. But until we meet back here again, friends, take care. <laughs>